Hello and welcome to Backchat, your podcast all about scoliosis, yoga and back care. My name is Christine Jaregiberry. I'm a yoga teacher, creator of the Yogaberry Yoga for Scoliosis community and YouTube channel. And this show is all about supporting you on your scoliosis journey. So if you're looking for practical advice and inspiration on how to manage the condition with yoga and movement, then you're in the right place. Hi, everyone, and welcome. Welcome to Backchat. Welcome to Yoga Berry, your yoga for scoliosis community. Thank you so much for joining me as always. And um, today, actually, we are not completely live, I have to say. So we are recording this um, at a different time than usual because I've got a, a guest from Australia here today. So I think that must be a first because obviously 4 p.m. UK time is not so good for those in, in Australia usually. Um, so I'm very, very excited to have Narelle here today. Um, she is a, a yoga teacher from Australia. Um, she will tell us all about all the wonderful things, of course, that she does, because it's not just limited to um, teaching yoga. And yeah, let me just bring her on straight away so we can dive straight into this. Hi, Narelle. Hi, Christine. <laughs> Thank you so much for making the time to, to speak with me today. Mm, thank you. <laughs> Good. So, um, so obviously you, you, you reached out to me and, and said, uh, you know, because obviously I don't have a lot of connections to um, yoga teachers in Australia, just I think because of time zones and, and all of that. Mm -hmm. um, so I was I was really intrigued because I think there is a lot of overlap in um, definitely teachers that we have maybe um, worked with. Um, so yeah, it's, it's really, really nice actually to make some, some new connections and hopefully also, I mean, this is a, a worldwide audience, of course. Um, maybe you know giving giving people uh, some more ideas of resources and and things that are that are available obviously in in australia as well so thanking i'm thanking you again for for sharing what what you know obviously and um yeah giving support to to those that are in your country mm, sure good so Shall we? Let's get started with. Um, I would love to hear about your personal story with um, scoliosis. So, what kind of? Because I'm, I'm. I think you're in the process of writing a book about it. Is that right? Um. Yes, a slow, long process indeed. Okay. So, so it must obviously been a. It must be a topic that obviously has touched your life in in some way and I'm sure you will you will tell us all about it but how did you kind of get interested in in the topic of scoliosis and how did you kind of um how did it lead you into all the wonderful things that you're doing hmm. you know it's a really interesting question Christine because a lot of people um ask me that, they phrase it slightly differently. How did you get into yoga for scoliosis? It's like, well, for a start, I have a significant scoliosis. So there's that piece. Secondly, 
I have um, practiced yoga since I was four and I didn't know there was this thing called yoga. I didn't know there was a form. I just did it on my lounge room floor and, you know, my parents would say, will you go outside and play with the other kids in the street and say, no, 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 this thing here is really interesting. You know, if I, if I put my foot this way and I flex my ankle like that, that feels different in my hip and it feels different on the other side. Why is that? So it was really about this deep investigation of the sense of asymmetry in my body from the mm-hmm. age of four through this thing. I didn't call it yoga because I didn't know it had a name. I just called it stretching. And, yeah. <laughs> and so that's how it really started, this incredible burning curiosity of what is this sensation? And I wanted to see what it looked like. So I'd sit on Santi's knee and ask him for pictures of anatomy books, but I didn't call it anatomy. You know those pictures of the of the body and those models that you press the button and the blood goes around and he just looked at my parents like, what? <laughs> but I was really hungry to learn what it looked like, where it was, what it was next to, what it did because I was sensing it and feeling it and feeling the asymmetry. So that's, Mm -hmm. you know, that answers both the questions of why yoga and why yoga for scoliosis. So it's not a groovy niche market that I thought, oh, I'll do that. No, no, (laughs) it was my my embodied house that I was living in. And, Mm. um, And so it kind of led me on this path, you know, this academic path of anatomy and spinal pathology and a whole bunch of other stuff. And yoga, I just never really stopped doing because when I was formally diagnosed when I was 13, by then I was an elite level dancer and, mm-hmm. you know, they wanted to do surgery and that was like, no, that's not happening. Mm. <laughs> I need to dance, I need to move. And so we sought a second opinion, of course, and the guy that I saw, just the orthopedic surgeon said, do not stop dancing, do not stop doing yoga. And Mm -hmm. so I just saw him every three months while I was growing and he assessed it and, and it was okay. I was Mm -hmm. fortunate. Yeah. So tell us, tell us a little bit about this, this diagnosis. Why in the, in the first place, um, was it very visible? Why did you kind of go to the the doctors? That's really interesting because, um, as I said, I was an elite dancer. My mum was a dressmaker and a costume maker. And so I'm standing in front of the mirror and she's pinning all this fabric across my body, you know, to make mm-hmm. this thing. And she's saying, will you stand up straight? It's like, I am standing up straight. I'm a dancer. Of course I stand up straight. And then we just looked at each other. Our eyes just met in the mirror. And it's like, oh, dear. And it's not like we'd never really noticed before, but this was this really graphic moment as she was Mm -hmm. fine-tuning something very specific and precise. And so we just toddled off to the local GP and he was away. So we saw a a locum and he was just horrified. Okay. Mm. And when you say, when you say uh, horrified, did they do an x-ray straight away or? Mm. Yeah. Unfortunately, he ordered a full spinal, which the Mm -hmm. radiographer rang up about because like back then that was gosh, 50 years ago. And um, they didn't do full spinals on 
I'm 13 year olds at the time. So yeah, I got radiation poisoning and it was horrible. But um, yeah, no, there was a lot of x-rays. Mm-hmm. And uh, do you remember what the what the curve was at that point? Do you do you remember the the cob no, angle? Or I don't. I don't remember the cob angle. I know what it eventually went up to. It went mm-hmm. up to forty nine in the thoracic, and okay. um, I don't remember the lumbar, but yeah. I got the thoracic back to thirty five. So mm-hmm. you know, yeah. So do you remember uh, what you kind of? what your feeling about this was, about this uh, this condition. Obviously, you're saying the doctor was horrified. Um, yeah. That must have made an impression on you as well. I was really scared initially. I, I was in shock, actually, after that diagnosis. And I didn't know its ramifications at the time. I didn't know how it might progress, how it might deteriorate. And so, you know, at 13, I, I knew nothing. There was no internet or anything back then. So it was really mm-hmm. difficult to get information. But the second orthopedic surgeon was just really wonderful. He'd just come back from the UK working intensively with scoliosis and he, he really helped me understand it's, it's okay. okay. It's all right. It's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. I know you're scared, but this is what you're going to do. And I was mm-hmm. doing it anyway, so... So he basically just he he said you don't have to have surgery. Just keep on yeah. keep on dancing, keep on moving, keep doing That's what right. you're doing. He said, I don't I don't want to do this because he would. And I've seen some other orthopedic surgeons just because I was curious afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like my particular scoliosis goes up into my skull and indeed down through all the long bones of my limbs. So it's it's extensive. And, you know, most of them said this would be a really long fusion and mm-hmm. no, and, and anterior and posterior, so no. Yeah. And um, so there was no talk about bracing or any other Yeah, there treatment? was, but it's just like, no, I'm not going there. <laughs> I'm just going to do yoga and dance, you know, okay. because, as I said, an elite-level dancer, you're talking about an athlete, really, and mm-hmm. so there was a high level of... Um, physical activity and and deep kinesthetic knowledge of the body mm-hmm. um, and I'd already started to do a lot of anatomy so I, I kind of thought okay I'm, I'm just gonna walk beside this second orthopedic guy and monitor this so be smart about it don't stick mm. my head in the sand but take it in my own hands mm. well that's very I mean for you know, for a teenager, that's that's very um, that's very mature and very confident, obviously as well. I think a lot of people in that position uh, would be would be terrified, right? And they would just, um, yeah, if someone even mentioned surgery, they would just say, "Yes, okay, I'll do that," because you're mm. suggesting it. Yeah, no, 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 no. I I needed to move. Mm. And your, or what about your parents? Oh, my parents really interesting. Um, it's like my parents provide me with these riverbanks, but they always let me make my own choices, informed mm-hmm. choices and contained choices, but choices. And so the decision was always mine. Mm. Okay. So, um, I, you know, I, I, I find this really interesting because you, you have got kind of this, this perspective, obviously, over um a long very long period of 
of time because I think wherever you are in your in your uh, scoliosis journey, you have got this time that you look back on. You've got this time that you kind of have coming up. Um, so uh, yeah, I'm. I, I find this very very interesting. Obviously, you you being so you were you were so confident about this. Was there ever a time when where you were like? Oh, I'm not sure. I don't know. I might have to have surgery. Mm -mm. Never. No, never. I wouldn't say confident, though, Christine. It was always this sense of, okay, I'm walking this very fine edge here. Mm -hmm. But I knew that it was up to me. And I'm not yeah. saying that that's the case for everybody. Everybody's experience of their scoliosis is unique. Mm -hmm. But for me, I... I guess I, tr to be honest, I think I trusted my body and I trusted myself to yeah. to to be present with this midline that was trying to find its its pathway. Mm. So you said your scoliosis at its peak was forty nine degrees in the thoracic. Mm. At what mm -hmm. what age was that? Do you remember? I, I think that was around the time after my second pregnancy. Right. Okay. And do you think that pregnancy has had kind of accelerated the mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I would say so, yeah. So yeah. you could you could feel this in, in your body or or how I did could, it kind of... but by that time I had like I had two children fifteen months apart. Right, yeah. So, you know, that's a heavy load. Same as me. <laughs> yeah, on the body. And yeah. You know, and I had postnatal depression really bad twice worse the second time and hospitalized twice the second time so I'm conscious that my yoga practice had I wouldn't say fallen by the wayside it had never gone but it was not as central or rigorous as it had been prior mm -hmm. and um, mind you once I looked at that x-ray it's like okay <laughs> mm. yeah it's time to focus mm. yes yeah. so um before we kind of move on, because I think pregnancy is another is a it's a topic that people are always really um, scared about. Um, I, you know, there's a lot of things I remember that I was scared purely from like um, <laughs> what are my pain relief options basically okay, for for, right. for scoliosis, but also you know what how is my body? So I kind of I thought always. Um, if I can't trust my body creating, I mean, this is terrible, right? This was a long time ago, creating a, a, a straight spine. How can I trust it then with this creating life, right? Creating um, and, yeah. and going through through pregnancy. Yeah. So, so what are your, what was your experience? Or what, are, what would you say to anyone who's worried about this right now? It's really hard to answer that question because it's almost a hypothetical question. I don't know anything mm -hmm. about that hypothetical person's history or, um, yeah, or the way that they have a relationship with their body. So I think that's a very critical piece. What's your relationship with your body um, and what's your history? Mm. Um, But do you have any advice maybe for anyone who, who is uh, thinking about you know, starting a family and has maybe got quite a significant scoliosis? I think if I was standing in that place now, not that I am at 63, um, but if I was standing there now, 
I'd probably say find yourself a really great osteopath, mm-hmm. a really good osteopath. Do not let go of your yoga. Find a teacher who understands pregnancy, who understands scoliosis and can help you move through this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And don't stop moving. Yeah. Do not stop moving. <laughs> yeah. So it's those two things. It's the support of a practitioner who's working with the body in, in a modality that will support the body in its changes and a teacher who can, here we are talking yoga, So, mm. and that's been my life's practice. So find a teacher who understands both pregnancy and scoliosis and those yeah. changes within that and, and do it. <laughs> mm. yeah. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So um, do you, when when somebody is pregnant, do you kind of, um, I, I always ask myself this, do do we kind of focus more on, on that experience and, you know, you're, you're creating life and you're doing pregnancy yoga mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. do you, do you still kind of focus on alignment and, you know, doing, doing that side or both? Is it a little bit of both? Well, I did a lot of yoga, actually. I'm just thinking back as we're speaking. In my first pregnancy, I did heaps of yoga. Yeah. And and I was aware of both, actually, Christine, both the prenatal yoga and the, the sense of um, bringing the spine into its functional midline and strengthening around that. So those two elements were actually there. Mm. Yeah. It, it wasn't like, will I focus on this more or that more? They were both there. A little bit of both, yeah. Okay. And then, um, so so then, obviously, so you said after that sec- second pregnancy, it was kind of at, at its peak. Is that kind of, so I hear from this, you saw your x-ray and you were like, oh, it's kind, kind of going in the wrong direction. I need direction. to do something. Yeah, I need so to do something. So did that kind of give you a little bit of a... It really galvanized me. It just really brought me into clear focus that, mm-hmm. you know, the precision, I would say, of um, of the anatomist. And a lot of my background was in Iyengar yoga. So it was like, okay, I, I knew what to do. I knew how to do it. It's, so just do it. And that's not to say I adopted a sense of being a hard taskmaster. Not at all. It's like I almost reverted to being that curious child. What does mm-hmm. this feel like? What happens if I do this? What changes when I do that? Mm. But there was definitely this application, this intelligent, clear application. Yeah. And then you said you actually managed to reduce your scoliosis. Quite a lot, yeah. Quite but a lot. you know what? That's never my goal. Christine, that mm. is never, ever my goal to straighten a spine. It's about how can we support somebody in finding the optimal functional midline for them? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and yes, it will it will come more midline. It will straighten. But it's not like, let's fix our back. Mm. No, but I, I do think that just by you by you uh, saying this obviously um it, it went from what did you say from 49 to 35, 35. yeah so, so that's that's a that's big a <laughs> that's a big change yes absolutely mm. and um i think it gives a lot of people hope right uh, that that it's not kind of 
because we we get told well your scoliosis it's just going to get worse one degree or whatever the current yeah, uh, yeah. situation is per per year and then when you go through menopause then it's really going downhill and then you add gen, gen, degeneration on top of that and then it's just it's just not good so yeah you add osteopenia and osteopenia osteoporosis yes and i hear this all the time right from 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 people telling me they've basically been told there's no hope <laughs> yeah i know it's awful it's really that makes me really sad yeah so so what what would you say to that what would you um... oh look there's so much bone remodeling that is possible and mm -hmm. and again it's about finding the support of the right practitioners in this in that case it's not just say an osteopath it might be a nutritionist yeah yeah um and this you know you've got to be very careful with that age group of menopause because you are dealing often with osteoporosis and as you probably know most people the common denominator in a scoliosis is always osteopenia Mm -hmm. So you're always behind the eight ball from the get-go. And so it's about how can I rebuild that bone mineral density? But there are ways to work asymmetrically that will load the vertebral bodies differently on each side because the bone mineral density is not even in in the, I think of it like a cotton reel, but in the vertebral mm -hmm. body, it, it's it's not even. And so you, you need to kind of challenge that bone mineral density asymmetrically to remodel yeah. the bone and remodel the connective tissue and then strengthen around that new alignment that's a you know that's a process and it's mm. ongoing because bone adapts all the time to change so if you don't keep saying no no over here then you know the bone just will go back to the unremitting gravity mm. okay so 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 you can you can change even though it's uh, it's structural you bone believe... is a living tissue bone is not mm -hmm. static everybody's under this illusion that bone is this in a state of stasis no 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 bones constantly remodeling and changing it's the great sculptor yeah are you are you aware of uh, dr fishman's work a little with the, the side plank well what do you what do you um, think about that i mean he talks mm, about osteoporosis a lot and he yeah. talks about that scoliosis um, obviously how to be diplomatic um it's not a, it's not a practice that i adhere to it's not a practice that i teach and um yeah i don't i don't want you to <laughs> uh have to to say that's anything a very strong asana, you know yeah that's a very strong asana so for a start does somebody have that capacity to sense the three-dimensionality in their spine do they have the strength what's going on in the joints do they have the developmental movement patterns to support that do they have a head tail connection can they connect the limbs into the spine what's their core strength like and i don't mean that in the old school core strength mm -hmm. but Although nobody's done any studies that I've seen in the literature that looks at multifidus and looks at transverse abdominis, I'd lay a bet those are not optimal in a scoliosis. How could mm -hmm. they be? There's, there's mm -hmm. no way that those neural pathways are going to be firing well in a scoliotic terrain. They're not. That asana is a very demanding asana. It's 
it's rather an advanced asana. It requires yeah. so many foundational things to be in place. And my question is, wow, why would you go in there? What, you know, there are so many fundamental building blocks that will support the person in sensing their three-dimensionality of their spine, re-engaging. We have to really re-educate all those developmental movement patterns, retraining the nervous system. There's a swag of stuff that I'd be touching mm. before I would ask a body already under stress to do something that's quite challenging, mm -hmm. very challenging actually, to the average body that's quite challenging, but not necessarily challenging in a way that they have that underlying support to rise up and contain and meet that well. Mm. Yeah. So you're saying it's not it's not enough, basically. I'm not saying it's not enough. I'm saying I certainly wouldn't start there. And, right. and nothing, let me say this here and now, not one thing, There is not one thing, maybe Tadasana, but there is not one, or Advahastasana in Tadasana, there is not one thing that is going to do this. There is not. There is a whole spectrum of things that is actually unique for mm -hmm. that person. Yeah. It's truly about the uniqueness of that individual specific landscape. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um so how, if if we're kind of going there, how how does your personal practice look like at the moment, and has it kind of has it changed over time? <laughs> oh, that that makes me laugh so much. Um, okay, the reason I'm laughing is because I live part time on a sailboat now, and so um, half the time I'm not in my studio with my tressla and my wall ropes and. Um, or either indeed most basic yoga equipment, I'm up on the deck. And, um, yeah, my yoga practice is very, very different now. Well, and most people don't have all, all of that stuff, right? Oh. So, so, you know, I indeed, think it sometimes puts people off if you say, well, you need a rope wall, you need, uh, you need this, and you need a thousand blocks and blankets. And um, <laughs> so, so tell us yeah. about, you know, what, how do you practice if you don't have all these things? Yeah, a wall is a prop, the floor is a prop, a chair is a prop. Um, most people can get hold of a yoga block or two. Um, I think it comes back to that premise of what are what are the foundational things here? What are the most basic, it's, it's like learning a language, what's the most basic vocabulary? What's the alphabet here? And, and so often in yoga it's with a scoliosis, it's not about doing fancy schmancy hard things. It's about doing something fundamental, sensing the body and doing it well in a, in a state of deep, deep listening to the interior body and to the space around the body and the relationship of the limbs to the spine. You don't need a lot of fancy equipment to begin to do that. So... How has my yoga practice changed? Coming back to your question, it's 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 changed a lot. There's a lot of adaptability. You know, I'm up on the aft deck, on the the high aft deck, and you know, I've got a leg up here and an arm over there, and I'm just using at hand what I have, which is really what anybody can do. When they go for a walk in the park, and you see all this equipment, it's really about intelligent use of what am I doing, why am I doing it, how am I doing it. 
And in yoga for scoliosis, it's more about the simple, done well, break it down into partial poses, not long timings, repetitions, in and out of things. It's trying to work at a very alphabetized way that gives the body the capacity to then learn to say a word and then learn to say a sentence in a way that's well understood kinesthetically and that the organism has uh, the capacity to sense the forces, to sense and adjust to the forces coming through the body. Hmm. So do you do you uh, limit yourself in any way? Is there anything where you're like, mm, no, I don't really like in a you know classic Iyengar practice? Obviously, are mm -hmm. there any things where they're like, no, I'm I don't do that. That's not for me. Oh, there's certain things I don't do now that I did when I was younger, but that's got more to do with other uh, other physical. Um, pieces you know bits and pieces that that are present in my body um say the question again I've, I've kind of um if, you, if, if there's anything that you are you kind of uh taken out or avoiding or um from like this again classic ayanga because there will be a lot of people who who don't have the knowledge that you do, obviously listen, listening to this and they're thinking to themselves now, if, you know, if they should go to a, a, an Iyengar group class where maybe there's not a focus on scoliosis. Yeah, no, that's a tricky thing right something there. something that they maybe should not be doing or... Mm. Um, okay, thank you. Now I, I, I've heard what, what it is you're asking. It's... Um, it's always a, a question of working appropriately for where you're at at the time. So as I listen to your question and you say, you know, would you go to a general class, for example, on Ainga class, if that teacher, well, Ainga teachers are well-trained, but however, if that teacher doesn't understand scoliosis well, a general class is probably not a good place to be no matter whether it's Ayinga, Ashtanga, whatever it is, who cares what it is, a general class is, is not the place to begin. Are there things that you shouldn't do? That depends entirely on the level of the practitioner and the skill level, what they've built up previously. As a very, very, very general comment, I would say be really careful if you're going to be in a general class and you're going to sit on the floor and it's time to do floor, you know, seated twists. Because somebody who doesn't have that capacity to um, or hasn't built that capacity of axial length and understanding how to rotate, that you're not using the limbs as levers, you're not even twisting through the musculoskeletal system, you're twisting through the organs, in fact. That's, that's the genesis of the thing. It's the embryological patterns and the organic body that generate the twist. And so a beginner will sit down on the floor and they'll just corkscrew down into their scoliosis, mm -hmm. into their pattern. You know, similarly with backbends, they'll just hinge in the place that, you know, so, so those sort of groups, twists and backbends, they get the classic, you know, wrap on the knuckles anyway. But there's a whole lot of stuff that needs to be built before you would even look at those things. 
even something like a chair burrowed vajasana, you know, a really basic twist. Number one, it's chair. It's not on the floor. Yeah. Yes, you have a chance to lift first before you rotate. But how are you rotating? Are you mm. rotating through the organs? There's a very specific way to rotate through the organs depending on your specific curve. If you have a teacher that understands that, fantastic. But will she be able to help you or he be able to help you in a group class? Not the ideal place. Mm. So what's the what's the solution right do we yeah okay so what i always do is stay I'm home <laughs> any, no not stay home absolutely not so when i ever see new people they always have to come and number one have an assessment first mm -hmm. so i know the landscape of your body and i can help you understand the landscape of your body because if you don't know that all is lost and you may as well stay home because you must understand your curve pattern yeah that's number one then I always get people to work with me for a minimum, bare minimum, a block of four private sessions so that I can take them through really basic things. How are we standing in Tadasana? How, how do we sit? What are we doing when we do sit? All of these really, it's like this alphabet thing again. If, if I can support a student in understanding that within their own body, then they're safe in a class mm. so that they know how to intelligently apply and modify what it is I'm teaching in a yeah. class setting. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So it's certainly not about staying home. It's about finding a teacher to work with who will help you understand your curve and train you in the basic alphabet along with sensing your body. Mm. Yeah. No, and, and, and I meant it purely in a way of um, I think some people – are kind of they're scared right they they don't want really? to do anything that would make it worse or yes, that yes that, or hurts or it's going to injure them yeah yeah absolutely yeah. in which case they might say well oh I'm not sure I, I, it's maybe better well I can't afford private classes for example um I'd rather do nothing then can you afford to manage injury That's always my answer to some people. It's like, well, really, mm. this is learn. Here is your body, and I say it with all compassion. Here is your body. You are in your body. I'm hearing that you're challenged with that. That might be pain. It might be fear. It might be both. It might be. Well, I'm not in pain now, but I'm really scared about what's going to happen down the track. I've heard that yeah. so many times. Mm. Well. Do you want to clean up the mess afterwards or do you want to learn how to say the alphabet now? Mm. Because saying the alphabet is not just what you're going to do on the mat, it's how you're going to walk on the beach. It's how you're going to do, it's how you're going to reach up for that coffee cup. It's how you're going to do every single solitary thing because practice doesn't stop. You know this, practice doesn't stop when you get off the mat. Practice is how you breathe and inhabit yeah. your whole landscape constantly. Mm. These yes, are life Absolutely. It's not just that hour or whatever of, of yoga that you might do yeah. twice a week or something. No, 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 that's useless. And so yeah. that's where I differ a lot too with a lot of teachers who are classically Iyengar trained or even just any, any system really. I have this thing that I call the snatch and grab approach. And um, 
my own teachers would be horrified. But I know that if I come, if somebody comes to me and says, oh, no, Narelle, I have to practice an hour a day, oh, they're not going to do it. No. So it's like, <laughs> put the jug on, make the coffee. While that's boiling, you're going to walk up to the wall and you're going to do a advahastasana on one you know, one side. Right. Now the water's boiled. Pour the coffee, let it brew. Now you can do the other side. So for me, it's like, how can I build this into somebody's daily life mm. and they will do it? And I know that that has nothing to do with sequencing. And there is probably millions of people that would listen to this saying, oh my God, that's not a practice. And it's not. It's not a practice. But I would rather somebody do that than do nothing. Mm. Yes, absolutely. If I don't have the time, I give up or yeah. snatch and grab, then do the snatch and grab. Mm. Please do Yes, that. and I, 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 I think it's, I think I, I would say it is still practice. You know, it's, it is. Uh, yeah, but it's not this sort of classic, okay, no, no. Use my with the beginning, middle, and end. Yes. Yeah. Yes, but um, it, it almost feels like that's much more of an authentic way of, of, of practicing and and integrating as you say into your life rather than ha separating it from your life and saying this is my yoga and then th this is the rest yeah yeah <laughs> no it's all one thing right it is all one thing it is mm. all one thing you know but i will also the caveat is when you're doing the something while the water is boiling are you sensing the body because mm. if you're multitasking by, oh, well, and I also just check my emails while I'm doing that. No, <laughs> no, that defeats the purpose. So mm. it is about in that 30 seconds, you are with yourself. Mm. Yeah. So how do you how do you work with with people um, nowadays? You say you 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 are on your boat <laughs> quite a lot. Yeah. Do you uh, do you? Do you still teach? Do you um, do you mm. run any trainings, anything like that? How can yeah. people work with you? It, it, at the moment, I'm not really working with anybody in scoliosis and haven't done so. The last workshop I taught was immediately prior to COVID breaking out. And um, no, needless to say, I haven't run any workshops. And nor I've chosen to not see private students as well at the moment. And if... A, if my students are um, experienced and they're well-versed in their body, then I'm very happy to do something online with them. Mm. But a lot of my work, most of my work is very hands-on in the sense that I use my hands to listen to the body, to listen to the organism. Na naturally, I can't do that through a screen. Yeah. And so I find that um, unless it's a student I've worked with, I know their body, they know their body. I am not seeing people at the moment. Mm. Well, we look yeah. forward to your book. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna push you there a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, quite a few people are, and I keep like, oh, I'm a bit busy with saltwater songlines. I can't really do it right now. Yeah. yeah. So, so tell us about saltwater songlines. What, what is it? And uh, yeah, help us. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, saltwater songlines is, in a way, it's um. It has a relationship with not so much yoga for scoliosis, but most certainly sensing the body. So it's a multifaceted project, but part of what it does in terms of its relationship to this context is it looks at sensing the body in relationship to ecosystems of the of the planet, of the land. 
Um, most of those ecosystems that I work with, that I live on, are coastal. And so I look at, say, different aspects of the body's waterways, um, the relationship of bone to rock, um, the relationship of sand to connective tissue. So I'm a photographer, I'm a writer, I make pictures of aspects of the land that echo our physicality, and I write about that. So that's kind of that piece of the guts of the Saltwater Songlines project. It's not really separate from yoga from scoliosis, although Saltwater Songlines is not about yoga as such. It's about yeah. image and word and embodiment. Yeah. Lovely. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, before we before we close, is there is there any kind of uh, anything else you, you would like people to know? And again, you know, this is an audience of um, kind of a variety. There's there, there'll be teachers listening, yoga teachers. Um, mm -hmm. There'll be people who have just just been diagnosed with with scoliosis and uh, kind of not quite sure what to do is there anything you would you would you have some advice or anything you would like to that's say? a really um broad spectrum i know people. i know it is yes um the key is to sense the body that's the absolute key to sense mm. the body and to sense the body in relationship with the earth okay <laughs> Good. Thank you so much, Narelle. Um, thank you so much for your time. So we'll we'll put obviously all the um, your your links and everything in the in the description below. But yes, thank mm. you so much for um, talking with me today and for your for your honesty as well. Mm, you're welcome. All right. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode and if you did, I would be super grateful if, if you could leave me a five-star rating and review, which will help me to create lots more amazing content. If you have any questions or suggestions, reach out to me on Instagram at yogaberry.scoliosis or visit my website at www.yogaberry.net. <laughs>